Hey, one more thing before you go. We are going to have a conversation with the author of a new children's book that can help kids and families deal with death and grief in an open and honest way. It will encourage the sharing of memories of loved ones and how to have those difficult conversations about losing someone. Heaven's Bell takes us on a journey of two best friends that must face the reality of death and the possibility of what's beyond that. This book offers a way for people to talk about death and grief and has a special way to share memories and keep them alive. It was written for teens, but enjoyed by people of all ages. It will have a profound effect on you if you've lost somebody or if you have children in the household that need to understand what death is and the possibility of what's after it. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. This is The Thing About Heaven's Bell. My guest in this episode is Sherry Barch. She's the CEO of two Forbes-ranked top executive search firms and a leadership consulting company. She's an expert in the areas of leadership, team development, and diversity. Her forward-thinking approach to work was recognized when she was chosen to participate in the Alt-MBA program designed and led by leadership guru Seth Godin. But Sherry's passion for storytelling and making room for serious and heavy conversations is what brought her to one more thing before you go. This passion was a strong motivation for her to write her children's book, Heaven's Bell. It's based on a story of the same name she penned several years ago prior, and the story focuses on 11-year-old best friends, Cody and Ashley, and what happens when their once-in-a-lifetime friendship is threatened by personal tragedy. We're going to have a conversation about creating a safe space for families to have a conversation about death and dying in a natural and a productive way. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate what you've done and what you've provided for people. I think that's a very positive thing. We don't talk about death and dying enough, in the, especially in the United States. I think that everybody thinks it's a taboo subject. Uh, so I think bringing it to light in the manner that you have done uh, is a brilliant opportunity. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, I... Uh, like I said before we started, I kind of like to unfold your life. This is your life, Sherry. So <laughs> let's start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in northern Illinois in a town called Rockford. I think I've heard of Rockford. Rockford? I have heard of Rockford. I used to watch the Rockford Files. Any relation? Oh, there you go. No. 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 Jim <laughs> Rockford. I love the Rockford Files. Well, what was your family like? Um, I was raised by a single mother who uh, it was a uh, chief nursing officer and a school nurse and uh, had degrees in adolescent psych. And um, so she was a great mom. She still is a great mom. And um, I have one sibling and uh, I have been uh, married for, I should know this, right? 
almost 30 years. Hope. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> on that. We, we won't tell him you had to think about it. <laughs> I know, right? Hopefully he's not seeing this or listening. Um, and um, I have three sons. So one brother and three sons, no sisters, no daughters. So I'm not sure what that means, but uh, I'm sure it shaped me somehow. I think I think those kind of lessons always shape us. It's it. I had two daughters, uh, okay. no no son, but I have two daughters, wonderful daughters. And you know, as my audience knows, and and you know from our previous conversation that uh, you know they motivate me and inspire me every day in, in a new way. Um, they kind of grew up with a uh, they grew up with a cop family, you know, <laughs> uh, in, in their background. So that's almost like almost similar to yours. Um, because they had a uh, you you your mother was a nurse and, and oh an adolescent yes. and I'm sure that there were some strict rules and you know, oh so yes there was a benefit to having a, a dad as a cop and and some not so you know <laughs> <laughs> so did you go to university I did I went to Western Illinois University and I have a, an undergrad degree in communication interpersonal communication and um, some minors in journalism and management, and then I have a master's degree in business communication. What would you, what'd you want to be when you grew up? It's kind of a diverse, wanted, uh, it's a, it's a diverse yeah, academic. I, I wanted to do, um, I didn't want to be an educator, but I liked training. So I liked the, the ability to present and communicate. Um, I actually love interviewing. I always thought maybe I could have my own talk show hosts or be a talk show. So it's kind of fun to, to have this experience with you and, and see your journey to this point. Um, I've always been very, very curious. Um, and I think that's where my, my management skills and my training skills came in. So just, just communication. There's a way to tell a story. There's a way to communicate your ideas. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's been a fun journey. That's an outstanding journey. My father was a journalist. I can re I respect that from from that perspective. Uh, I grew up in a newsroom, actually. Uh, okay. Yeah, literally, I was there from like way. You can't see my hand down here, but that high to the floor, <laughs> all the way through. Then I went to work for the newspaper myself, actually, for a little while, but not as a journalist. Um, okay. Ironically enough, but it was kind of cool. Um, yeah. <clears throat> So you chose communication for that matter, and you talk about journalism. Had you always um, wanted to be, let me try proper English, talking about communication. Uh-oh. <laughs> Have you always wanted to be an author? No. In fact, I think there were, I've had this story for a long time, and, and what I did is create a lot of barriers for um, not writing it down and not publishing it because I wasn't an author. And um, when COVID hit, I knew, I called it my COVID passion project, I knew that I needed to write down the story and had got some feedback about the story. So just decided to, I hired a book coach and I hired a team of um, women that, that had never worked on a children's book, but had read the story that I had kind of penned out and um, they decided to help me. So no, I really didn't think I was going to be an author. I can relate to that. As an individual that was a sergeant in the police department, kind of moving up the line, I never pictured myself as a podcaster, but sometimes <laughs> life puts us in a new direction and it allows us to reach out to people and uh, 
inspire, motivate, and educate, which I think your book does. Thank you. It, it really felt as close to a calling as I think I've had. I, I just knew that it was time to put it out. And I had gone through a lot of just, you know, what if it's not any good? What if nobody reads it? What if, you know, just probably that, you know, 12 year old self again. Right. And, um, I think my, my need to do it, my calling to do it outweighed all my fears. And, um, boy, I'm so glad I did. I think it's helped so many people. Well, I think it also kind of helps you. Can we let's talk about um, it, it? Kind of what inspired you? Uh, the story that you wrote is it personal? Do you know these individuals? It, it, did you lose somebody yourself? What motivated you? It, it I it is a completely fictional story. Um, it, what motivated me was because I told the story verbally a couple uh, three times. And the response that I received from the people that I told the story to, one was a young girl, um, another was um, my two nieces, and then finally it was a grandparent that lost, it was a parent that lost a son, and um, I told the story for her grandchildren. And the response from those individuals at a time of real sorrow and healing and just um, raw emotions made me want to share this story with more people. Um, but personally, it was a story that I had growing up as a child, and maybe it was my creative imagination. Um, and the crux of the story about Heaven's Bells is, is my story. The story of the two 11-year-olds, best friends, and uh, one dies and goes to heaven, and you know what they like to do, and how he's describing heaven, um, that's just created especially for this particular Heaven Spell story. And my thought is everybody has a Heaven Spell story. This just happens to be the way I decided to tell it um, and add some uh, storytelling around that, that concept of that Heaven Spell. That's really interesting because as, as um, you and I had discussed, uh, in dealing with death, uh, on both personal levels and professional level, um, you know, and, and I, to be honest with you, I don't really, really do like book reviews per se with on the on the podcast. So I wasn't I wasn't reading the book from uh, a review perspective. I read the book to just to kind of read the book, and once I started getting involved with it, it uh, pulled me through to the end. the The discussion that you have the um, feeling of loss, the feeling of uh, the losing somebody to leukemia, for example. Um, I'm only giving away a tiny little part. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> losing that's okay. Some way, somebody to, uh, to death, um, especially as a child. It's very difficult. Um, and you tell the story pretty well because you uh, relay the right feelings that come through um, uh, as a child. You know, yes. it, it is interesting. My first um, experience with death as a child, and now, as you can see from my gray hair, you know, I'm an old guy. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, we, we won't say how old, but we'll just say we've earned the gray hair. Yes. Um, the, uh, 
My first experience as a child was, uh, I was probably, I think, eight or nine years old, and my grandfather died, and, you know, I, the question was, what happened to Grandpa? And right. nobody would tell me what happened to Grandpa, just so he just died. And we went to a funeral, and then afterwards we went, to, uh, everybody came to the house, we all ate something, nobody would talk about it. Yes. Nobody would talk about yes. it. It's kind of a taboo subject. You know, unfortunately, a taboo subject in, in America. Other cultures, they celebrate it. Other cultures, they, right. you know, they embrace it. They talk about it. They celebrate it. Um, and here, we just kind of go, nah, I'm not going to tell you. We're not going to talk about that. You know, where did yeah. Grandpa go? And, Nobody could tell me. Right. And I didn't have a lot of law. I didn't have a lot of, of my relatives or close friends die when I was growing up. Um, and I didn't go to a lot of funerals. And I wasn't raised strictly in a church. So, you know, from a just from a, a concept standpoint to say, okay, what does happen? I think that's, that's where Heaven's Bell came from. I mean, just to be able to have some place to land in my creative right. brain, as far as I wonder, I wonder what happens. So it's almost filling in the blanks of what you just, you just said, because so many people want to avoid that, that conflict, that, that pain. Or they don't want to create pain for others. You know, I think there's a lot of a lot of us that are now adults. I've had this feedback. They've read the book. It's written at that middle school age level. But many, many adults have read the book and said it takes me back to when I first lost someone. Oh, Whether exactly. it was my grandfather and I was around eleven. And it just kind of takes me right back and it makes me think about not only the memories of that person, but how my family handled it. Yep. And then obviously with COVID, we couldn't go to church. We couldn't go to living rooms. We couldn't all get together and eat. And so we weren't talking about anything. People were just disappearing. And these children were, yeah. what happened to grandpa? No, nobody wants to talk about it. What happened to mom? <laughs> what happened to dad? Yeah. With they COVID. couldn't visit grandpa in the hospital because of COVID protocols. It was just horrible. It still is, by the way. Oh, absolutely. It went, it 100%. And um, uh, you brought up a good point. It, when COVID hit, with uh, people not being able to go visit somebody or stand outside the window of the hospital, not being able to say goodbye, um, one more thing before you go. That's the whole premise of one more thing yes. before you go. Um, the not being able to say goodbye, not being able to say I love you, not being able to say I'm going to miss you, or I'm proud of you, thank you for being part of my life, it leaves a void. Now, yes. I think COVID presented a unique situation, not only in that aspect, that you're eating dinner one day across the table, and the next day they're gone. Right. But knowing and reading and seeing, reading the, you know, the, the news thing, newsprint and and seeing it on TV, seeing it in the news constantly, create an environment that that showed, hey, we're talking about COVID, we're talking about disease, we're talking about COVID, we're talking about disease. So they had a better inclination to know this is kind of what happened. Most unlikely they had COVID, or yes, they have COVID because you can't come in the hospital. But at the same time, I, I have found through some other conversations, even in that respect, it still really wasn't talked very much. Right, right, and in the book, I, I, we put a remote goodbye in there um, because so many people don't have the opportunity 
to be there when a loved one dies. Um, we also, I also put Ashley in the hospital very awkwardly talking to her friend Cody and not really saying the right things and not really knowing what to say and, and having the reader experience that anxiety because who doesn't have awkwardness when they're visiting somebody that isn't well? Well, and that, I don't think that's talked about enough either. I think it personally, uh, you know, I grew up again, watching my grandparents have cancer and, um, you know, it was, well, they're sick, they've got cancer and you didn't know what to say to them. What do I say to grandma? What do I say to grandpa? What do I say to my uncles? They died of cancer uh, when I was young. What do you say? They say, well, you just tell them, tell them your day kind of a thing but it was very very awkward because you just don't know what to say my grandmother you know she went to chemotherapy she always had the, the she lost her hair so she had the uh the scarf on her head you know you weren't yeah. supposed to ask about that you know right. you, you weren't supposed to ask about the stent that she had which i know understand as an adult what that is now but it would right. have been helpful to say hey this is what's going on and this is why this is what and uh this is what's inevitable what happens with a majority of cancer patients kind of a situation so right. yeah, I, I think that um in 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 your journey in writing this book have you lost did you lose anybody you know i did i did lose someone um very very dear to me he is uh my father figure his name was ray and um he died about two months ago and um he was an incredible part of my life. I met him when I was two um, and he was my neighbor, him and his wife Rose, and he gave me away on my wedding day. And um, it was interesting because since the book has come out and now a lot of my family and friends have read the book, they were able to come back and have a common language with me about heaven and heaven's bell and what Ray is doing in heaven. and. I almost felt like the story allowed them to have a, a, a tangible place to think about Ray and where he is. And um, I miss him, but I know he's okay. And and my story of Heaven's Bell lives on with him. That's a that's a profound. My father's name was Ray, so it oh. touched me just a little, a little bit there. Um, yes. The, I was uh, hoping for a girl that I could name Rachel and she could go by Ray, R-A-E. But um, again, I have three boys, so. Well, the, you can <laughs> have appreciate a, being called Rachel. <laughs> you can have a grandchild and say. There we go. Bring one of your sons in and say, hey, let's have let's, a talk. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but not about death. Let's talk about, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, come in and every time you walk by him, just say, Ray. Ray. That's right. Ray. That's right. R-A-E, Ray. <laughs> um, then by the time they have a kid, see, that's what's going to happen. What do we name him? How about Ray? Right? <laughs> it might Ray. work. He's a wonderful man. Wonderful. Um, you know, it, it's when we lose somebody, uh, whether it be uh, uh, abruptly or whether or not it be a long goodbye. Uh, I've lost several people to long goodbyes, either through cancer or through, um, we took care of my wife's father. Uh, he had Lewy body dementia, and mm. uh, that was like 18 months of that, and they call that the long goodbye as well. Long goodbyes sometimes are good and sometimes are bad. 
um, they're good because you get to say what you want to say. You get to experience what you need to experience. You can ask ask somebody um, if you know if you want to know about history. You know, I had a World War II vet that was a very good friend of mine, and he was one of the last people um, still alive up until a few, couple of years ago uh, from World War II, and he fought at Iwo Jima. And, okay. Uh, we would sit down and they'd say, you know, why don't you tell me some of those old stories? And he'd kind of light up, you know, for a little bit and have a conversation about it. He'd go, yeah, I was, I was 17 years old and when he was supposed to join, I lied, I got in there and I shot down two Japanese zeros and I got in trouble, but I got a pat on the back, you know. And, wow. and uh, you know, he, he really, he lit up. You know, he got to talk about that again and, and say, yes, I, I was there and yes, I helped do this. And, you know, it was, it was kind of thing. So, I think and that's I'm, a perfect example. It's a perfect example that you were be, you were able to create space, have the courage to not necessarily have all the answers, but to create that space for memories and for people to share. You know, and not only the the individual that's that's dying, but the family members around you to be able to hear your stories or hear their stories and create that that space, that platform, it just... Well, it, 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 it's a, your book does a brilliant job of, of showcasing that. I know, again, I'll repeat that you, you wrote it for like the, like the middle school age group, but it's really for any age because it allows you to kind of understand that there's always an opportunity and you need to kind of take that opportunity for better understanding, for more communication, and to open that door of communication so that you know that something's good. How did you come up with the um, your vision of heaven? Because it's a unique vision of heaven. It is. I think. I just think it's. It. It would be what an eleven-year-old or twelve-year-old or middle school middle schooler might think of. And um, when I told the story verbally, I gave the people that I told the story uh, a bell, so something tangible. So I knew when we described heaven, it needed to be something that people could experience and and look around and see. So it really, it, it really just goes for here's here's Cody's vision of heaven, and here's what he's experiencing when he's in heaven and what he's doing, and and Ashley's down on earth living her life. And, and the, the book basically is in parallel universes. But if you think about that age group, um, and even Heaven's Bell can go younger than that, but, but like you said, grandpa's gone, or my friend is gone. I don't know what that means. Um, I even had somebody that, um, well, a couple of things. He was a, he was a Vietnam vet, and he said he read the book, and he went back to places that he didn't hadn't gone before because of the description of heaven. He said, so I had this description of your, of your heaven. And then I was able to look around and all of a sudden I started to see some of my buddies and I, and it, and it wasn't sad anymore. It was, they're doing fine and I'll, I'll see them someday. Um, but he said it was so vivid and he said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. And, and he goes, and, and I know we talk about heaven, but sometimes it's a little fuzzy and cloudy. And so he goes, I just like the fact that you just went for it. You know, it's just one version of heaven. And again, everybody has their own heaven spell. You can, you can imagine heaven any way you would like. This just happens to be one way that I did it or right. that Cody did. 
Well, Cody did it. Um, yeah, you mentioned the, the, about Catholic. What's the spiritual perspective on your approach to all of this? You know, I tried really hard not to create a religious undertone. Is There's an angel, there's heaven. So there is some spirituality there, but there are no quotes from the Bible or references to the Bible or lessons that would be biblical. Um, but again, I think by using heaven and having a, a, some angels up there and helping people hang bells that you can take that wherever you'd like. I think you did a good job. You did a really, a really good job in that perspective uh, in, in creating an environment that uh, is open to everybody. Yes. Yeah. I, yes I like thank it. you. Um, <clears throat> I know that on the younger end of uh, uh, the, the spectrum of age and how kids usually view um, death. Uh, if, we're not going to give away all of the book because obviously we want people to buy the book. But um, that's okay. Your approach, your approach, I think, is a, is a brilliant approach because the you deal with a disease in the book. You deal with death uh, of a younger individual, not just an old person. And yes. and you know, it's they probably came out wrong when I said that because I'm an old person. Um, you know, <laughs> not that old. So Don't go anywhere I, I need to be careful how I phrase that. Um, <laughs> but you know, most most kids think of a death as uh, an old person dying, a grandma or grandpa or something along that line. Right. You know, although when we were kids, we thought thirty five years old was really old, and when I hit thirty five, it's like, no, this ain't old. <laughs> right. Um, so from from that. Uh, perspective. What do you think uh, uh, kids can take from this? Well, I, I think I think there's a couple things here. I think um, I saw a lot of barriers when a child died. So sometimes when an older person that maybe, like you talked about, a long goodbye, um, sometimes adults and, and, and parents are better at having those conversations. We still kind of use some of the wrong, they're, you know, they're in a better place and, you know, versus they died. Um, and then you can introduce your, your spirituality around that as you see fit and your, your family traditions and celebrating and saying goodbye. But sometimes when there's a tragedy that adults have a hard time understanding and the why and we've seen that in media right and, and what's happening in our, our world today um we have a tendency not to communicate or we don't have the courage to even start the communication because it's too sad and so i thought by having this be the death of a child and his friend and how do we cope with that? And the people around Ashley, you know, the parents, the older brother, what's going on in heaven. Um, it, the story will hopefully provide a, a, a conversation starter or a platform to be able to talk about something that really it, it's a hard why. You know, Cody didn't deserve it. We didn't see it coming. Now what? How do we move forward? How do we move forward with with this story and, and our grief, but also being able to talk about Cody and not forget Cody? And so it's a catalyst for conversation. It's it's my hope is it's a tool for children to be able to read with their parents or grief counselors or 
you know, people that are trained in this area and we can start to express our feelings. It doesn't have to be about the story, but it, hopefully it, it allows those children to share, well, I kind of felt the same way or I felt different. Um, and as parents, we can find that safe place inside of the story to just be and not be afraid to talk about death and dying. How important do you think it is for parents uh, to have a, a frank and open and honest conversation with their kids about death and dying? I think it's important, but I think it's also important to just create a space to have listening skills and a new experience because I might be experiencing the death differently than my child. And we all grieve differently. My creative mind popped in. My my niece was was young at the time and she lost her grandmother and my brother and sister-in-law said she's not talking you know we try to hug her she's pushing away and um so that was the very first time i told the story and i came into their home with a couple bells gave them to my nieces told a, a real quick story of heaven's spell and said you know what do you think grandma's doing in heaven right now and she just described She's got brown hair. She's not in pain anymore. She's riding her young horse around a big oak tree and there's bells all over this oak tree and her head's back and she's laughing. And you could have heard a pin drop. And then from that point on, she just, I started asking her more questions. What's the first thing you're going to say to grandma when you see her in heaven? What do you think she's going to ask you? And, you know, just ringing her bell. And, and it just gives this, pathway to just open up in a safe way which is a very positive thing you know what what i probably should have asked you a little bit sooner but it'll fit it'll fit right well right here um <laughs> we didn't talk about what heaven's bell actually is about well it is about two 11 year olds that are best friends and Cody, one dies early in the, the book, and the book's a quick read. It's probably, what would what do you think, hour, hour 10 maybe? Um, How about that? That took me about an hour. Yeah, so just a middle school. For, for those of us that are our age, it kind of reminds me of a Hardy Boys, you know, where you've kind of got the picture, and then you read the chapter, and you can go back and look at the picture, and then you move on to the next chapter. So it's a chapter book. Um, Cody dies and goes to heaven. So he describes to the reader what heaven is and where he's going and you're exploring heaven with him. And Ashley's on earth and she, she dreams about Cody and she lives her long life on earth and she tells the story of heaven's bell and um, remembers Cody. And then in the end of the book, they come back together and the book ends with a, uh, um, them reuniting in heaven. It's a brilliant, again, brilliant book because I, again, I read it, took me about an hour. And yes, the Hardy Boys, I remember reading Hardy Boys. Yes. Um, and that's kind of like what it reminded me. I guess in the back of my mind, that's what it reminded me of. So you good. did a really good job yes. with that. Um, Just moves it, moves it along. And you had, you had uh, illustrators for it. Yes. So I had an illustrator that um, was a senior in college, she never illustrated anything in her life. 
And um, I'm all about giving people um, opportunities. And I saw a few of her drawings and I, I loved them. I think they were just enough detail for the reader to be able to see and understand what's going on, but not, you know, so detailed that the reader's imagination couldn't fill in the blanks. Um, she did an amazing job. Um, and she actually lost her grandfather during uh, the il illustrating this. And um, the cover is inspired by her mm. thinking about her grandfather in heaven and what that might look like and um, his bell. And so I just think the cover is absolutely beautiful. And um, I immediately fell in love with it. Well, yeah, that's, that's the cover right there. It's a beautiful cover. Yes. She did, she did a great job. She did a great job. Well, it goes along with the, with the content of the book as well, because the content of the book keeps you enthralled with the story. I think you did, a, 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 again, a really good job with kind of piecing it together and allowing, um, I, I would say kind of a, if you, if, you, if you pay attention, it will give you the tools that you need to help understand that um, you still have an opportunity to say what you want to say, to have an opportunity to kind of do a little bit of what you would like to do with that person that, that may be passing, and um, that it is just death is part of life. Yes. And that, yes. you know, it, it carries on in another way. And I think that uh, from, yeah, it's, it, I'm, I'm, that's so many things running through my head at the moment, so yes. So how do you think that this book... Um, I know we've kind of touched on it briefly, but uh, how do you think that this book can be used uh, as a guidebook to help kids or, or us as adults um, kind of you know, touch on that or get through or to move through the grief of losing somebody? I think what I wasn't prepared for is all the stories that the book generated. Um, what, what, what would happen is somebody would read the book and then immediately share with me memories of their loved ones or conversations that they had with other loved ones that are still here on earth. So I think um, I had one gentleman say that um, he was in a situation where a family had experienced a suicide and uh, it was COVID. So there wasn't a funeral. And, you know, he ended up because of the book, he said, I think I would have just sent a note in the mail and kind of, you know, a card and just said, you know, sorry for your loss. And he goes, but because I read your book, I felt like I could go over to that home, hand them this book and talk about the story and tell them that I believe that this story will create an opportunity for memories to spill forth and to be able to celebrate the, the loss that they had in the family by suicide. And he said, it just, it just gave me courage to be able to have that conversation. I had another mom who had two daughters that read it in the car, they had a long car trip. And so the two daughters and the mom had just lost a really good friend. So the mom was mourning and the, and the, the, the daughters were mourning in a different way. And um, so I think, I think it is just about having the courage to read the story. And a lot of people say, let me get this straight. You wrote a children's book about death and dying and a kid dies. And somehow you think this is a good idea. <laughs> but if I can be that bold and put something as crazy out there like that, then can you be bold enough and courageous enough to read it and, and be able to then hopefully talk about your loved ones? 
had another mom who um, has two daughters now and never talked about her mom because every time she did, she got sad. And I think children are aware of when adults are sad or having a hard time. And the last thing they want to do is add to that by asking questions or bringing up a topic that makes mom sad. Um, and she did the same thing. She said, I read the book. And then I realized that I, there's, there's a joyful part of my mother and she was an amazing woman that I'm not sharing with my family and my daughters. And that's just not okay. And so I was able to start talking about my mom and what a great mom she was. And the, the kids started asking questions about her and I wasn't sad. I was, it was fun to be able to share what an amazing person she was. So when I hear those stories, it, it really just continues to um, create energy for me to want to be able to come here today and, and talk about it. That's brilliant, actually. Very brilliant. Now, did you, do, you think you got, <clears throat> do you think you got any tips from your, uh, your mother from her professions? Did they kind of, did, did they sneak in? <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, you know, my, my mother always tells the story about kind of like, kind of like you, um, as a nurse, she was really strong at holding the dying patient's hand and listening, you know, that one more thing before you go, you know, you know, here's what I regret. Here's who I love. Maybe there was some secrets in there. Um, but then she would tag team with another nurse. And so as she came out of the patient's room, what she really struggled with was telling the family that their loved one had died. So there were other nurses too. that would tag team. So I think that's, I mean, that's our lesson, right? Sometimes we have to ask for help. Sometimes we're not going to be good at it. Sometimes we're going to need to lean into others. So how do we have that courage to try to do those things that, you know, we do well, but also just be there when sometimes um, it's hard for us. So I think, uh, I think my creative, uh, my creativity comes from my mom, um, adolescent psych. So she was always very good at talking about heavy conversations, you know, from, from chronic diseases to death and dying to, you know, the, the world's not fair. So there are things that are happening that we cannot begin to understand, but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about it. I think, you know, they, earlier when we were talking, uh, I told you that sometimes it was it's difficult to grow up in that environment because of the nurses, doctors, paramedics, firefighters, cops. You grow up in that environment, the open and honest conversation is very apparent. Uh, you know, I grew up with my kids as they grew up, um, I was open and honest with them uh, about yeah. death, about dying when they lost their grandfather. Um, I, I had a stepfather and a wonderful man for 25 years and uh, proved to me that you don't have to be blood to be family. And, uh, nope, uh, that was right. You know, it's one of those things that uh, the, he, his, my kids were his grandkids. They weren't step-grandkids, they were his grandkids. So they, they were there when he passed. He passed of cancer. And uh, they were there. We explained it to them, explained what was going to happen, had them experience that process. My wife had never experienced it before, uh, ever. So it was a new experience for her in that regard. So I think that <clears throat> those of us that grew up in an environment where, um, like your mother being the nurse, me being a cop, it allows 
that open and honest conversation to be a healthy conversation about what's taking place and what's moving forward. And, and I agree with you that the that conversation needs to be had uh, so that those around us, you can get over grief much better. You can get through. Everybody's going to grieve when you lose somebody. Yes. But when you understand it, it's sometimes easier to get through the grief. Um, yes. And to be authentic about it. It's okay to yeah. be sad. Of course you're sad. It doesn't even mean that you have to have all the answers, right? You just exactly. get to you just get to be and you just get to feel that. But you have to have the conversation. You have to create that environment. So let's talk about how somebody can get your book and use it as a guidebook because that's exactly <laughs> what it can be used as. Whether or not you're young or whether or not you're middle aged or kinda old. <laughs> Yes, yes. So you can get it at www.heavenspell.com. Um, that's my web page. And um, it just talks, shows some reviews and a couple pictures and a little bit more about me. And, and, um, and then Amazon, you can go to Amazon. It's an audio um, and it's an ebook and paper. And the audio, the great story about the audio is during COVID, there were so many Broadway actresses and actors out of work. And so, um, you know, we were able to lean into some just wonderful talent um, that uh, narrates the book. So um, I do a couple pieces of it, but um, it's Ashley. It's in Ashley's voice. Oh, that's, br that's, that's brilliant, especially getting Broadway. How did you get Broadway people? That's pretty cool. Yeah, they, they were plentiful at that point. So it just, it all fell into place so, so well. Is the universe putting you in the right place at the right time? Thank you. And the other, the other exciting news that is just happening is um, I'm also um, developing. It's and it. It actually should be um, up here in the next two weeks. Is a journal, and I'm calling it a Ring to Remember journal because what happened was people would read the book, and like I said, they would just spill forth with all of these memories and thoughts. And I ended up putting some lined pages and some blank pages in the back of the book because some people were putting memories in the book and then passing it to family members and then sending it to grandma or, mm -hmm. you know, whomever. So it was kind of a memory book in and of itself, but I just, there were so many people that had very personal um, reflections and memories that I, I felt like there needed to be a safe place. So it's just a, it's a grief journal. And again, prompting real basic questions, you know, so still staying within that age range, nothing too heavy, not too big of words, you know, it's just light, but maybe provides a place to capture some of those um, ideas, communications, memories. So just another toolkit, hopefully for, for people to, still grieve but heal along with it that's a brilliant opportunity so, yeah it really is How, when do you expect that to come out it just within the next uh couple weeks i'm in the final proof so it should go up next week well let me know and i'll add it to the show notes along with the other books Thank so that uh, we can get some more exposure for that as well so Keep an eye out for it. If you listen to the episode, you watch the episode, then you'll have to come back in a couple of weeks and check on it. And I'll make sure that everybody gets it in my newsletter too. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> Sherry, this is one more thing before you go. 
So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to share? Go for it. Don't be afraid to have those courageous conversations or something that you wanted to do. Go for it. Brilliant words of wisdom. I think that uh, everybody should take that as to heart, put it on a piece of paper, put it in front of you, put it on a sticky note, put it on the doorstep before you walk out. Excellent words of wisdom. Thank you very much. I appreciate you and what you do and what you've done on this journey and providing what you do for um, people of all ages to help them overcome and to move forward in their grief process uh, and understand death and dying. So uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It was an honor. Thank you for having me, Michael. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.